on this episode of Japan 2.0. A very, very patched up. It almost had like this kind of like skirt thing on the pants. Like, I don't know, it sounds like a fanny pack. I'm not making it sound very appealing, but I thought it was awesome. Hello and welcome to Japan 2.0. This is your trusty host, David, coming in with a special episode, uh, Japan Through Fashion, for you. Uh, this is only the second one of these that I've done before. If you kind of want to go back and hear、uh, my interest in fashion and where that began, I kind of go through that in the first episode, which is、uh, about the company Capital. So you can just search Japan through Fashion Capital and you'll probably find that.、Um, but today's episode is going to focus on undercover. So, this show is going to be laid out in a couple different sections. I kind of want to just preview that for you. I'm going to talk about my history with the brand. I'm going to start about、um, kind of the history of the brand itself. I'm going to talk about some of the more famous collections where you can buy undercover if you're interested in it and you live outside of the US. And at the end of the day, what we can learn about Japan through looking at a company like Undercover. I really debated on which、um, company I wanted to focus on next.、Um, there's a lot of other companies that I like that are quite similar to Capital and in a similar vein, you know, really working in Indigo or reworking classic Americana.、Um, but I have this whole other side. Japanese fashion, I kind of have this divide、um, between my two interests here. And there are companies that a lot of the clothing they make is traditionally black、uh, Yoji Yamamoto, Kumde Garsan. And today we're going to look at Undercover. They're not quite as、uh, black centric.、Um, they do make a lot of other colors as well, but for whatever reason, typically what I tend to buy from Undercover、uh, is often、um, clothes that are just black colored.、Um, but all these black Companies, as I, I kind of labeled them or joke around、uh, with, they do have, they have this kind of like rock or kind of punk or slight goth or avant garde、um, kind of aesthetic to them. And Undercover is, definitely fits into that.、Uh, of course, it's different from the others, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So,、um, as always with this series, the main goal isn't to just look at fashion because I'm very aware that、uh, this podcast is about Japanese culture, not Japanese fashion.、Um, so, at the end of the episode, I always come back and say, what can we learn about Japanese culture, Japanese people, Japanese life by looking at a certain line of clothing?、Um, so, ultimately, that's the goal of the show, and that's what we're doing today. I wanted to talk first a little bit about.、Um, My history with、um, the brand Undercover.、Uh, I started off really not liking Undercover, actually, and it took me a long time. I, I think it can be a bit of an acquired taste, especially if you're older.、Um, I'm in my mid 30s, and I think if I would have found this company, the clothing, when I was like 15 years old or something, some of the things that turned me off might not have been a turnoff.、Um, Some of their branding and the, the <laughs> logos and writing that they have in their clothing can be a bit brash, or to me, can come off as a bit immature.、Um, they love dropping F bombs like on t shirts and things like that. And per- personally, I've just never really been a fan of that.、Um, I don't really think it's cool or, or edgy. It actually comes off as quite the opposite. So, yeah, one of their popular sayings is Generation FU on it. And、um, that was like one of the first things I saw, as well as、um, 
they have they're very very famous for their graphic tees, and that's one thing that they're uh, well known for. Uh, and sometimes they just have this big teddy bear, <laughs> and the kind of the juxtaposition of the language with the teddy bear, like it's ironic, I guess. I don't know that the, I don't like either. There's two things I don't really like are like cutesy characters, um, and kind of um, blue language. So yeah, I want to say maybe about eight years ago, ten years ago, that was kind of my impression of Undercover. I kind of thought they were like the Japanese Supreme in a way. Um, they often collaborate together. And Supreme can kind of have that vibe to it as well, um, that kind of like teen, angsty, skate, <laughs> skateboarding vibe. Um, nothing wrong with that. I, I love skating. I love a lot of skate brands. But it just seemed a little too in your face. So I think I had heard of them. I'd seen their work and just thought, nah, it's not really for me. But they're always coming up. They're always on the radar. They're always kind of collaborating with cooler companies. I'm not a massive Radiohead fan, um, but I remember, like, as a teen boy, 19, 20-year-old boy, and I thought leather jackets were cool, and I wanted leather jackets. Still to this day, I'm, I'm obsessed with leather jackets. I love them. It's probably my favorite piece of clothing to buy are leather jackets. And um, Tom York uh, was wearing this, uh, like, motorcycle jacket, and that's kind of, like, the mainstay for jack motor leather jackets now. But I remember in the early 2000s, I didn't often see that kind of asymmetrical zip, like the Perfecto style leather jacket. Um, it was more like these kind of motocrossy, kind of casual leather jackets. And anyway, Tom York of Radiohead was wearing this, you know, motorcycle style jacket. And I remember thinking it was really cool. Looked it up and found out it was actually undercover. Um, so that was one of the more positive things. So when I moved out here about six years ago. Um, I walked into an undercover store and kind of thought, oh, this, this, is, this is why people like this company. This, this is kind of cool. And that's kind of the point of this show, this Japan 3 fashion series, is I'm trying to focus on brands that don't really have mainstay shops outside of Japan. As far as I know, there's actually there's only two real undercover stores in all of Japan. Uh, there's one in Aoyama in Tokyo, and they just actually, luckily for me, opened their Kansai-based store in Kyoto. They have little sections in department stores. I know there are smaller cities in Japan and smaller areas, but they'll literally have like 20 or 30 pieces of clothing in there, and that's about it. So it's pretty small. My first kind of solid impression living here in Japan was in one of those smaller department stores. And uh, I wasn't blown away just because of the small selection. Um, but they had a couple of you know shirts there, and I remember seeing like uh, like some patched up uh, jeans and stuff. And I thought, oh, this this is really cool. Uh, that was actually at a Roppongi location, and I saw this pair of pants there. And it's one of those things that you see and you think it's cool, and then it just kind of like stays on your mind, and you can't forget about it. Um, and this is kind of a motif I'll get into a little bit later that started with their scab season. Um, but yeah, very, very patched up. It almost had like this kind of like skirt thing on the pants. Like, I don't know, it sounds like a fanny pack. I'm not making it sound very appealing, but I thought it was awesome. It was like a fanny pack on the back that hung down. It just created a very layered look. And it was very, what I would describe as like indigenous or native, very handmade, like dangly bits hanging all over it. It just had a very ethnic vibe to it. Um... And I saw it, that was really cool. I checked the price tag and I was like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pay that much money. It was like 
something like that. Um, And I just thought, I'm not going to pay that much for something I just kind of walked upon and hadn't seen and really thought about for a long time. And that gets me up to kind of my last point I don't like about Undercover. Maybe this is a weird way to start, to talk about all the things I don't like about this company. But um, is the price tag mixed with the kind of punk imagery. So overall, I would describe uh, Undercover's roots as very, like, rocker punk company i'll get into the history a little bit later but um a high price tag like that to me just is counter that culture um especially the kind of punk they subscribe to they um crust punk is a really big influence on an undercover and if you're crust punk if you know crust punk it's very anti-capitalism Instantly, there's irony there. Um, and it's just one of the most extreme forms of punk where you're almost homeless and you're living on the streets and you're kind of like one of these wanderers, you know? I'm sure you've seen if you've gone into any major city. And the fact that that's their big influence, I don't know. It kind of just seems a bit inauthentic to me. So I have a hard time recommending Undercover to people if you're not already into it. If you are a political person, there seems to be some irony there. Um, all that being said, at the end of the day for me, the clothes look awesome and cool, and I guess that's what it kind of boils down to, and I've been willing to forgive some of those things. And I kind of want to get into why. I kind of think the story of Undercover is a bit interesting, the overall narrative. Um, so we'll get into that now. Something for your mind. All right, so the history of Undercover. I think, you know, the narrative of any kind of thing that you like, fashion, company, whatever it is, can ultimately make something more interesting. I think it tells you a little bit about Japan as well. Um, So I hope, you know, looking at the history of Undercover is kind of one of the more interesting parts. I know for me, when I learned uh, June's story, I became a lot more interested in the brand. Um, He grew up in a small town, like many, went off to Tokyo to do big things, you know, the center of art, just like anywhere, you know, if you're in New York or London. Um, He's not actually from Tokyo, but he moves there for university at the Bunka uh, Fashion Institute. Think Parsons or, you know, it's, it's the big fashion school. It at least has become that. I don't know if it was in the early 90s when he was there studying but today it's like the the mecca you know where people go to be made i believe it's in shibuya um anyway so he goes there and is like a normal fashion student just doing his normal thing kind of living like the cookie cutter lifestyle and he finds out about uh komure garson and rei kawakuba um now she would have just been really big about six seven years before he started there so he finds out about her and is just you know, change his whole idea of what he wants to do. I guess what fashion can be is changed. I know for me, um, finding out about her and her clothing made me think, wow, like clothing is an artwork and going into a Comdergasan store, I'm going to talk about this in a future episode, is I look at it like going to an art gallery. I don't really think about like I have to buy these clothes or wear these clothes, but 
this is art and this expression and it's I don't have to pay any money to come into this gallery. It's great. Um, so I imagine, you know, that that's how I felt. I imagine if you are a fashion designer yourself, um, it's going to be, she's pretty inspirational, right? So he's quoted her as being a big inspiration. Uh, also sex pistols as well come up for him and you'll see both of those, I think in his designs, if you've never seen them before, or if you're looking them up as you listen to the show, very punk and i mentioned before about the clothing separation in my personal life i love my indigo americana japanese companies and i like the more kind of avant-garde punk companies making a lot of black clothing and undercover is definitely the latter so he's influenced by her he's doing his small you know little designs and it's mainly just t-shirts that he's doing when he gets his start and just doing logos on tees logo tees now remember this is early 90s if you knew what's cool, if you knew true streetwear at the time, it's all about the t-shirts. And he's very lucky to have teamed up with Nigo, now famously of A Bathing Ape. And they start this store together called Nowhere. And it's in Urahara, uh, the backside of Harajuku, essentially the cool part of Harajuku, where it's all these small, new, up-and-coming brands. There's no big franchises out there. There's no gaps or anything like that. Now, now days there are, but um, back then, you know, when it was a cool place, that's what was going on. And he's very lucky to have uh, teamed up with Nigo because Nigo obviously goes on and becomes huge in the hip hop world, street culture world. Um, and the thing I think it was cool about Nowhere, I mean, I never got to go or anything, but the idea is like you have these big subcultures, these big lifestyles. You have hip hop and you have rock or punk. So it's like one shop bringing these two worlds together. You know, the people that shop there, I imagine, might not normally hang out. And I think that's kind of cool. They weren't like, nah, we're not going to like team up with the other side of the music industry, you know, um, music lifestyle. They, they kind of joined up together. And as someone who loves both hip hop and kind of rock and punk music, you know, I think that's cool. Um, so at the time, he's just making T-shirts, right? And Nigo's just making T-shirts too, but that's, that's all that mattered. The shop's a really cool shop. It had like uh, TVs outside, so like when people were waiting in line for these big releases, um, they could kind of see music and what's cool at the time. You can look up pictures of Nowhere. Not actually that easy to find, but you, you can find them. Um, anyway, so Nowhere is for me kind of one of like the holy grail. If I could go back in time, I would love to go in there. Um, but to be honest, he was just kind of making those like U design shirts then. It's pretty simple. But it's just the idea, I think, of the kind of weekly release or the monthly release. It was totally new back then. Um, so uh, after that, he starts doing his shows, and here comes Ray Karakoba of Comberasan again, and she becomes a fan of one of his shows, and she's a destructed bomber jacket that she really likes and she wants to buy. June sounds like he's a pretty smart guy because he's like, nah, I'm just going give it, to give it to you. Uh, she then becomes interested in like his further collections, some of his shoes, collaborations that he does, and says, hey, what helped me a lot with Comme des Garçons was showing in Paris in the 80s. Her and Yoji showed together, I believe, in the mid-early 80s. Uh, the world media called that Hiroshima chic and it became a big deal. Japanese fashion got put on the international you know, radar. If it really wasn't for them, who knows if Tokyo could be what it is today for fashion. So she says like, hey, I did this you know, in the 80s. You got to do it too. You're getting big in Japan. People like you in Japan, but you got to go out to the world. 
So she paves this road for him. She gives um, June her blessing, and everyone's pretty interested to see who this guy is at his show. And this is really the defining moment for Undercover. It's what makes Undercover unique. If it's just this guy making, you know, kind of these punk uh, T-shirts with graphic design on them, I probably wouldn't be here talking about them today. Um, so he does this women's wear show, which is now called Scab. And this is in, like, fall, winter um, 2002, but it's, it's for the 2013 collection. And... Yeah, it's got a lot of the qualities that I love about Undercover today. This intricate patchwork detail, blending in multiple cultures, very tribal, indigenous um, looking colors or patterns um, with, you know, very tailored and interested silhouettes. And that, that later part is really what's fascinating, I think, is that he, starting with this collection, really, at least from what I know, He's not just about a t-shirt kind of streetwear company, but he goes on to the 2.0, right? And he shows that he can tailor, he can make really nice fitted garments with cool materials. And he catches the attention of like what we call like high street, right? So like some of the bigger, more luxurious um, brand names out there. Not only, I think it was that alone, I'd be like, okay, Undercover is this pretty solid company. But at the end of the show, lights go off, everyone thinks it's done. And then this crazy punk music starts playing, and all the models come out wearing rainbow-colored burkas. Remember I said this is in fall of 2002. 9-11 had happened. So it's definitely a political statement being made. At that time, there wasn't a lot being done politically. Um, it was pretty vapid in terms of politics and fashion together. No, I don't think he's original. People have done this before, like Vivian Westwood and stuff. But um, hadn't been done for a long time. It was kind of quiet, a quiet space. So he comes out and makes this big political statement. Not to mention, like, the clothes and stuff are just very extreme. Burkas are extreme. Um, yeah, so people then start paying attention to Undercover. He then was very big in the women's world and mostly focused on women's clothing uh, for a long time. But now today, in 2018, he's, I think, taking a break from doing women's wear shows, fashion shows in Paris and stuff, and just focusing on menswear. He still makes women's clothing. If you go into his clothing stores, you know, it's 50-50, you know, he focuses just as much. But I guess he's just not doing runway shows for the time being, at least. Um, personally, I'm very selfish with my interest in fashion. At the end of the day, I'd, I just am kind of into clothes that I want to wear. So I don't have a big interest in women's wear. That being said, I some companies out there, I do think it's just like art and it's really fascinating to see. But for the most part, that was good news for me that uh, he's going to focus on his menswear. Um, so I really at the beginning of the show uh, talked about all these things I, d I don't like about Undercover. But I, I think his story is very interesting. I think it shows that, um, you know, the world wasn't really paying attention to Japan in a lot of ways at that time. And um, during the early kind of 2000s was when the Western world starts focusing more on Japan in terms of its art, its culture that it was exporting, things like anime and manga. I mean, I was very surprised to find out I was in high school at that time in the early 2000s um, when I found out that Dragon Ball wasn't a current show being made and it was actually quite old. I thought that was really weird and surprising. And a lot of the things that I liked about Japan, when I started to find out about these fashion companies, it was like mid-2000s. 
you know, they're actually doing their coolest thing in the nineties in the early nineties. And that a lot of the coolest stuff is kind of, some people would argue is finished. Anyway, my point is this, it wasn't until the mid two thousands or so that I think a lot of the Western world was really ready to kind of look at Japan and, um, give Japan some of the respect it was due for some of the great art that was coming out of there. And we see this, you know, with undercover's acceptance, um, into the international scene in the mid two thousands. And yeah, they've, you know, done so many collaborations since then. They work together with a lot of other Japanese brands. Um, but, uh, today you can even see them, uh, June Takashi has a like a Nike running line. I'm not ever sure how to pronounce it exactly. It's like Garasuki. I personally don't really like it that much, but I'm not really into like the whole active wear type clothing. Um, but check that out if that's if that's your thing. He's personally a big runner. He goes running every day. So um, yeah, check that out. They just had the Element 87 shoe release this year in 2018. It was like this transparent. Uh, sneaker, I actually think that was pretty cool. Um, but for me, yes, why do I love Undercover is the references, the kind of pop culture references that they have in their clothing. All the way down from Stanley Kubrick films like The Shining, um, he had like twin girls walking out, like some of the scenes in the Red Rum stuff and um, from The Shining. Uh, last season for me, I'm a big Space Odyssey 2001 fan. He had this whole Space Odyssey 2001 line. The whole line is like centered around it. And the cool thing is like some other companies just kind of um, like will reuse logos that are already done or reuse the motifs and just put them on clothes and charge all this money. I do appreciate his eye for graphic design. He reworks them. So he has like official licensing to do this stuff. But he's recreating all the fonts and the imagery and like re hand drawing it on there. You know, and he's a designer, so he's gonna make it look probably a little cooler than it originally was, in my opinion at least. Uh, I was a big Joy Division fan, still am, and he could be him and Raph Simmons are probably the ones who made the Joy Division album Unknown Pleasures album cover a bit of a meme today because it's so iconic. Um and he had this awesome, my favorite undercover piece ever. You can look it up, but uh, don't compete with me to buy it because it's something I'm always hoping to buy in my size, which is rare, size three, Japanese size three. Um, it's called the Ethnic Riders um, Leather Jacket, and it's from the Earmuff Collection, which is a strange name, and that was in like the late 2000s. And it is essentially just a regular motorcycle jacket, but the sleeves on it are like made of like a sweater, so like a sweater material um the thing that just i think is really awesome about it is the shoulders just have these like metal dangly pieces kind of frilly i don't know how to describe it in words it's it's awesome just look it up and the inside of the jacket has the unknown pleasures album cover on the inside no one can see it but you it's like your own secret um but that to me is just like the coolest one of the coolest pieces those pants i saw i mentioned in the beginning of the episode in Rapungi, i think are actually like kind of like a rehash of um kind of that material on the shoulders that i, I really like but anyway yeah, it's these cultural references um and don't feel like you missed undercover um, a lot of times you look at these fashion companies and think ah oh, like yeah 10 years ago they had their coolest season for me one of the coolest seasons is actually coming out next year 
they showed it at the Spring Summer 19 collection. I put that up on our Facebook page. So check out Japan 2.0 on the Facebook page uh, to see that video. And it's one of the coolest fashion shows I've ever seen before. It kind of breaks any norm. And you have people walking every which way. There's no catwalk. And it's essentially like six mini fashion shows in one. Essentially, it's the Warriors. And he has all these different gangs. You know, none of them have the exact name from the Warriors. It's not official Warriors. But he has these six, like, gangs. And they're all different subcultures of fashion, from goth to indie to kind of funk, like a 70s Prince kind of vibe. Um, And they're all walking every which way. And they all have their own little names. And, uh, yeah, I love the Warriors so much. And to see that and to see, like, all these different looks that I want to buy is is so cool. So that, that to me, is, like, one of his strongest collections ever. Um, I think this is, like, one more thing I want to hit on before we go and kind of answer the question what we can learn about Japan by looking at Undercover. And that's that, like, his actual shop, if you can go to the one in Aoyama in Tokyo, I think that was something I saw in pictures like six, seven years ago in a stop. I don't know what that place is or like forget all the stuff I didn't like about Undercover, but I want to just go shopping in a place that looks like that. Um, it's one of the coolest clothing stores I've ever seen. It's just got like guitars hanging around everywhere, like bro- broken glass all over the ceiling. It's this huge space, you know, in Tokyo where real estate's at a luxury huge space um i've been able to go there two or three times uh this is such a cool shopping environment um so yeah undercover don't be turned off by uh some of the kind of silly imagery uh i don't like it all similar to capital before i don't think there's any company that puts out every piece of clothing that i love or i like i would say the undercover i like about 30 percent of what he puts out so if you don't like 70%, that's fine. This stuff is expensive. You don't want to be able to afford all of it because you'll be broke. Uh, so for me, it's like every year, you know, yeah, there's a lot, of, you know, five things I like, but I really can only afford maybe buy one thing per season. So all the companies I like are kind of like that. If you like more extreme things, if you don't like, you know, always playing it safe, you know, you can, it's like a photo. If you're into photography, you got a photo reel, 36 or 24. You get one good image out of that 36 out of 24. To me, that was always a success when I was taking photos. I think in one season, you get one thing you're going to buy from one company. That's good. There's a lot of other companies out there you can buy from. Um, so what can we learn about Undercover? I think you get this kind of remix culture in Japan. Um Japan is very, very good at taking things from other countries or other cultures, making them Japanese, whatever that means. Um, To me, that means improving the quality, paying attention to details, adding artistry, handcraft, years of doing that, um, and making it better. And I think June takes classic icons. I love one of his Wicked Witch of the the West. I can't remember, East or West, uh, for Wizard of Oz. And he's kind of like reworked her uh, into like the skater girl. I told you, he does the uh, Space Odyssey imagery better than I I think in the Space Odyssey like posters and stuff. Um, He takes a lot of biblical images, a lot of like, uh, like lore from like the 1600s. And kind of like rework it with like technology. So you often see like 
a brain with overlaid with like some kind of mixer, music mixer. And then you'll see like the tree of life below it. And he'll just kind of mix this kind of culture from time, space, country. It doesn't matter. And I think Japan does that well. You can look at whiskey, um, taking, you know, something that's very Scottish and regarded as only Scotland can make the best whiskey in the world. Japan goes off and studies it for years and makes some of the best whiskey out there now. Look at Blue Jeans, something that was seen as very Western. For me in America, it's very San Francisco, right? Now, today, a lot of Americans are buying two, $300 jeans from Japan, made in Japan. That's something that's look, looked at. The list goes on and on. There, there's so many things. And I think uh, Undercover is a good example of that. Secondly, I think what we can learn about Japan through looking at Undercover is... Japan is a very meditated place. Everything is done here with thought in mind. That's extreme. A lot of things. Maybe not really. Okay. Things are done here with thought in mind. People don't just randomly do something. Something that is punk rock kind of goes against that, right? Now, there are companies out there that are more true to form in the Western punk rock mind. It's really just sincere i would say and that's a company called black means and i'll cover them later they're true punks i don't know june is like a fan of punk rock he's inspired by punk rock but he's a little too meditated i think to to do that sincerely right and that was kind of one of my problems with the company originally but you just got to get over it at the end of the day and accept the clothes for looking aesthetically pleasing because that's what you want to wear right um but my point is that um you know, his, his labels, like, uh, catchphrase is we make noise, not close. And I think that's a really divisive saying. I think some people are very literal and think, no, but you have this written on, on clothes. You're clearly making clothes here. Like that's a bit silly. Right. But I think if you're willing to go beyond that and accept that as more symbolic, he's trying to say is at the end of the day, it's not about the clothes. It's about the lifestyle. It's about the references, right? He's trying to say something like, like going back to the Burkos of the scab collection. He's trying to say something with his clothing and most other clothing companies out there aren't really trying to say something to kind of, you know, reference some rare thing that's not in the popular light at the time. So I think we make noise, not clothes. Kind of shows that uh, even some things in Japan that are supposed to be relaxed, they're supposed to be hobbies, they're supposed to be laid back. Like punk rock music isn't you're not supposed to think about it too much. You know, it's pretty simple and just expression. Uh, June really I think thinks about and kind of works meticulously on. So that's it for this episode of Japan Through Fashion. Um, Hope you're interested in Undercover, a company that started off in the early 1990s, had its big scab collection in the early 2000s, and today we see, I think, fast fashion like Zara and H&M kind of ripping off a lot of his old designs from almost 15 years ago. So um, I think the world wasn't totally ready for Undercover in the early 2000s, but we see them kind of getting more press, more limelight today. Uh, than I think ever. So not that easy to find information about them. So hopefully this kind of helps you. Uh, there is a book. There's a couple books out there with a lot of interviews with June. So you can just you know search on Amazon for that. If you want to buy Undercover and you're not in Japan, um, there's a shop out of Canada called Haven, H-A-V-E-N. 
and they sell it, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be not quite double, but just under double the price that you're going to pay in Japan, getting it outside of Japan. Uh, Haven would be the easiest place for you to do that. Haven's great. They put out a magazine, and they tend to focus on a lot of Japanese companies. Uh, that magazine, I think, is called like Intelligence or Intelligista or something like that. Um, check them out um, for like learning more about Undercover. Um, now, my if you, I mean, if you really are obsessed with Japanese fashion, you'll know this already. But the best place to get Undercover is on Yahoo Auctions. It's all in Japanese, so you got to read some Japanese. They don't ship in outside of Japan usually, um, but there's all these services now that will like they charge like a five percent markup or ten percent markup, um, but they will like help you. Um, so look look those up; they're out there. I don't want to like sound like an advertisement by telling you names of ones that you use or anything like that. But honestly, the the price difference from what you would pay from a shop like Haven, you're going to be saving money even to use one of those services. Zozo Town um, as well would be good for newer collection type stuff. Um, but again, they don't usually only ship within Japan. As always, come out to Japan, check these places out. Um, but the whole point of this show is kind of trying to help you what I would have wanted, you know, six, seven years ago before I lived out here because I knew undercover. I thought they sounded interesting, but it was just hard to see their clothes even. So that's a wrap. Um, we've had a couple episodes here where Matt and I have been recording separately. Uh, we're on winter vacation now. So he was back on the West coast and I was out in Hawaii for a bit. Um, so we'll be getting together recording soon. Probably you'll see that stuff come out in February or so. So keep on listening. Uh, ask any questions you want. If there's other uh, fashion lines, companies you want me to focus on for the future of this Japan through fashion kind of sub show that I'm doing, let me know. I'm thinking of next doing um, probably Comte de Garçon or Yoji Yamamoto. But if you want to hear about other ones, let me know. Anyway, thanks for listening and look forward to a new episode soon. See ya.